Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. So I started this series last week called Free. And it's just life lessons from the book of Galatians. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I've never met anybody that wants to be addicted. I, ne- I Seriously, I've never met a person that's like, hey, I just think I'm going to get addicted to something. I'm going to get addicted to meth or I'm going to get addicted to porn. I'm really looking forward to it. Ne- never met a person that looked forward to being imprisoned mentally or physically in any way. There's something about being free. And we are one of the, you know, we are, we are among the elite of the globe nationwide of people who truly celebrate freedom. Like we really are. I know we talk about our freedoms being infringed upon and that kind of thing. And that's true. But we are among the elite nations of the globe because we are truly free. And I love my freedom. I love to be free spiritually. I love to be uh, free mentally. And so this whole thing is really about being free and not being in bondage. And so uh, as we talk about this, there's, there's really kind of like two keys that I have uh, on the screen there. You know, the Lord says that he gave us the keys to the kingdom. And the thing about keys, I don't know about you, but, you know, the thing about keys is that you can unlock a lot of things. You can unlock things. The scripture, when we talk about the keys to the kingdom, they're made for loosing and binding. In other words, they're made for unlocking things and they're made for locking things. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a person that I like locked doors, If you ever come to my house, you ain't just going to walk in the house. You you might try, but we keep our doors locked. I lock my car doors. You know, we grew up in a day where you could, uh, you, you could sleep with your windows open. My sister, I shouldn't say this. Uh, my sister, she still, they just go off from their house and leave their doors open. Like, it's crazy. They'll be gone from their house for five or six hours and their doors are open. I only know this because I had to take my mom back to her house after a wedding. And I said, can I get the keys to your house? I need to take mom back. And she's like, oh, it's open. I'm like, which door? Like the back door, you got to go around to the back and get in. She's like, no, they're all open. I went to the house, pull up in the driveway. Every light on the, is in the house. Y'all... We're lights off people at our house. <laughs> we're, 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 the, we're the, you know, the one that like, you know, we're going we're gonna to lock all the doors. We're going to lock all the lights down. I mean, we're, we're those kind of people. We're rules people. Any, we got any rules people? Rules people are typically administrative. You know, they're very administrative. We got any people over here that are just loosey-goosey, fly by the seat of your pants, just, you know, Hey, whatever come, what may, you know, eat, drink, live, be merry for tomorrow we die. These people. (laughs) I'm a little bit of both of these. I I think I'm kind of in the middle. Now, I do like like locked doors. I like like things to be neat and in order. But here's the, the deal. You'll have people that are rules people and then you'll have loosey goosey people. 
And the thing is, is that uh, there's a degree of freedom that comes with rules. Because, you know, it's, you walk into your office the next day, everything's where it is, where it was supposed to be. Over here, old Lucy Goosey, she didn't lock her office. She didn't, she left her stuff all out. She comes back the next day and she's like, I can't find my stuff. I can't, where's my stuff? I'm like, I don't know. You should have locked your stuff up. (laughs) But the thing about it is you have people that are more rules oriented. You got people who are loosey goosey. And both of those can imprison you. Like rules are good and can be good, but they can also imprison you. I used to be what they call a perfectionist and I used to be proud of it. And you know, there, there was something that the Lord revealed to me one day about being that person, the rules person. I wanted everything in its place, proper. Everything had to be right. And I realized I was never happy. I just was never happy at church, work, at home, whatever. I couldn't rest. I couldn't sit down because I'm thinking of, you know, I could have worked outside all day long and gotten 20 things done. But as I sit down to rest, I can think of the three things that I didn't get finished. And then you got this old person over here. It's like, come on, let's binge watch. You know, they're like, it'll be there tomorrow. You know, it'll, it'll, you know, it, to, let tomorrow, as a matter of fact, you know, don't even worry about tomorrow, scripture says. Let, it'll, it'll, it'll figure it out for itself. So, you know, you got these two, but what will happen is both of these, you'll find a degree of freedom in, but you can also find a degree of imprisonment in. Like over here, you, you lock yourself in and you become perfectionist. You're always thinking about the rules, the rules, the rules, and it really robs you of your joy. But over here, what can happen is this is in opposition to the rules and they reject the rules. And over here, what can happen is this can lead to all kinds of crazy stuff like addiction uh, to to the place where you are in bondage to things. And so today, as I'm talking to you from the book of Galatians, we're going to go into chapter two. And you know, I've been talking to you from this book just for one week. And what's happening here in the book of Galatians, Paul wrote it to a region kind of like the Eastern shore. It's a region called Galatia. And there are a lot of little towns that make up this area. And Paul has gone through that area uh, planting churches. And as he's planted churches, he would go get them started and he would set leaders up in place and he would move on to another place. Many of the letters in scripture like Titus and um, uh, 1st, 2nd Timothy, these are, these are books that are written, letters that are written to churches that he established. And they're written to the leaders there. What would happen, sometimes these leaders would be very young. They would be either young in the faith or young age-wise And then there would be some uh, older people that would move in that were a little more, um, you know, mm, how can I say this? They were a little more, uh, 
I don't know the word, but they were harsh and they were strict and they were uh, kind of bold and in your face and intimidating. And they would move in and some of these young pastors like Timothy would be intimidated because they're older, they're more experienced, they've been in the faith longer than I have and I'm younger. And that's why when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Timothy, listen, you're the leader. Don't let anybody intimidate you because of your age. Don't let anyone despise your youth. You're still the leader there. You're still the apostolic figurehead there. But what would happen is these people would move in and they would begin to correct the pastor, correct the leader. And they would come in and they would begin to preach what Paul describes as another gospel. He would say uh, what they're doing is they're coming in and they're trying to twist the gospel, which is really a doctrine of a demon. All right, And the book of Jude spends the whole book talking about how these people came into the church, they crept in because, listen to me, nobody ever comes into a church and they're like, hey, I just want y'all to know uh, I'm new here and I'm here to raise it. And I'm here to just call tr cause trouble. And I just want y'all to know I'm just going to work my way in and I'm going to squeeze in. And before long, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, get me a group of people around me and I'm just going to wreak havoc in here. Nobody ever does that. They always sneak in, present the best picture of themselves possible, and then they work themselves in. That's how they did it then. That's how it happens now. That still happens in the church today. And I'm just here to tell you, if there's anybody in this room like that, and that's your agenda, be sure we will find you out and you will either, <laughs> you will either come over to the winning side <laughs> or you will be exposed and you won't be here long. Oh, pastor, did you have to go there? Yeah, because that still happens today. If you don't think that happens, you need to come walk with me or just ride around with me for uh, a few weeks. This is what happened in the book of Jude. This is what happened in the book of Galatians. This is what happened in Corinthians and Romans and First and Second Timothy. This is what happened. And these letters are written as corrective measures for that. And that's what he's doing here. And so Paul, as he's talking, he's saying, listen, there are some people that have come into the churches of Galatia and they're making a circuit. They're going from church to church to church and they're called the Judaizers because they're Christians. They're supposed to be Christ followers, but they're holding on to a lot of the Jewish traditions. Listen, tra there's nothing wrong with tradition, but when tradition begins to trump the new covenant, that's when it's a problem. And what they were doing is they were basically going around and they were saying, you know, that Paul guy, he sort of had it correct, but we still have to keep all of these old uh, covenant we, we, uh, laws. We still have to keep those to be right with God. And so this song that we talked about, that we sung today, that's, you know, it's making all things right. You know, it's saying Jesus made all things right. He made all things right. You don't have to keep doing that old stuff to make yourself right. And I don't know about you and how you grew up in church. I don't, I don't know how uh, you came to faith in Christ. But whenever I came to faith in Christ, 
it came with a long list of rules. Now, I don't know how that happens in today's church. I know that's not how we do it here. But when Shay and I were, well, she was raised from the womb, uh, you know, in church. I came to the church when I was 15. And in the church that I came to faith in Christ in, it was known as the church of you can't do. You can't. You can't go to the movies. Now, some of these young bucks in here, like, you ain't even going to believe this stuff is true. Boys could not swim with girls. Like, we can't have no mixed bathing, you know. Boys couldn't swim with girls. That, that was a rule. We, you know, they can't go to movies. Uh, many people can't have a TV. You know, like lots of, you can't, you can't, you can't. And the faith was not about freedom. The faith was about bondage. And that's why many people did not want to come to the Lord because it's like, man, I'm going to have to give up everything. And it's like, well, there's a degree of truth to that. You surrender yourself wholeheartedly to God. But it's like, man, I'm going to have to give up smoking. I'm going to have to give up drinking. I'm going to have to uh, give up messing around. I'm going to have to give up, you know, I'm going to have to give up all these different things. And when I became a Christian, that was one of the key things that I'm like, I was trying to figure out what can I still do and have fun because sin is fun. Anybody that says it's not, they're a liar. Sin is fun, at least for a little while. And I was thinking like, what can I do, you know, and still be a Christian and I just wish somebody had explained it to me better and said, listen, just come to Jesus, start learning about Jesus, and then he's going to work all that stuff out. But we would try to get them clean before they came to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Anybody ever, ever been there? And I'm like, listen, today you ain't got to worry about getting your heart, uh, you know, all, uh, maybe your heart's not the right word, your act together. What happens if I ain't got my language under control? Don't worry about that. Give your heart, give your life, your will over to the Lord and he'll work on all of that. He'll work on all of that. Holy Spirit will come in and he'll start renovating and making you new. He'll start pointing things out to you. And when Holy Spirit does it, it's so much better than a man doing it. Or, or, or a woman, but when men do it, when we point it out, it, it seems judgmental, you know? But when you're convicted by the Holy Spirit, it seems so much more natural. And what Paul is trying to do, he's trying to, to correct some teaching, some false teaching that the Judaizers did. And they said, if you're going to serve the Lord, if you're going to be a Christ follower, you're still going to have to do some of these things. And circumcision was one of their big things. Like you're still going to have to be circumcised. Like, you know, Christ didn't do away with that. We still have to be circumcised. We still have to follow certain customs. There are still certain festivals. And there's a whole different uh, 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 portion of scripture uh, in the Bible that deals with Paul saying, listen, you can celebrate some of those if you want to, but you don't have to. And there are some things as Christians that we can do if we want to, but it's not because we have to do it. 
All right? And so what he's doing in this is he's trying to correct it because they're saying, hey, in order for you to be right with God, he's making all things right. Jesus made it right through his sacrifice. We don't make it right through following a bunch of do's and don'ts and rules. And he's trying to correct it because they're like, if you're going to be justified, made right. If you're going to be justified in Christ, you're going to have to do this, 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 and this according to the Mosaic law. And, you know, oh yeah, Christ died on the cross too. And Paul comes back and said, no, no, this is what justification is. Paul says to them, he says, justification means that I am saved. I am made righteous through Christ's sacrifice alone, the end. Like when you come to Christ, you are immediately made righteous, immediately. And so what's happened is positionally, all right, listen. So when I come to Christ positionally, in Christ position, my position in Christ is immediately, he just gives me a a coupon for righteousness, and I'm made, made righteous. Now, tomorrow when I get up, I'm still positionally righteous, but I'm also going to have to walk out my righteousness. It's called sanctification. Every day I'm going to live, strive to live a sanctified life. And what he's basically saying in this is justification means that Jesus plus nothing equals my salvation. Jesus plus nothing. It doesn't matter how much money you give to the church. It doesn't matter how much you serve. It doesn't matter if your mama and daddy were great people in the faith. That ain't got nothing to do with you. At some point, you are going to have to stand before God and make your mind up. Jesus and nothing else. But you don't know how many missions trips I've been on. Doesn't mean a thing when it comes to salvation. Pastor, you don't know how much money I gave to this church. Doesn't mean anything to the Lord uh, when it comes to salvation. Only Jesus is the one who makes us righteous and justified so that when we stand before him, we're justified. Listen, some false teaching that I got when I was younger and in the the, uh, church was one day I'm gonna have to stand before the Lord. Oh God. And I'm gonna have to, Give an account for all my sins. No, I ain't. And no, you're not. If you are in Christ, that person doesn't exist. And so when I stand before the Lord, there's no fear. There's no condemnation. I'm not, I'm not like those people that don't know the Lord. I'm not going to be one of those that's moved to the side. Those people are going to have to give an account. But what I'm going to have to do is give an account for my good works, for all the things that I I did for him. And I'll be able to lay my trophies down at his feet. All of the things that I was able to do for the Lord, I'll be able to offer those up as an offering to him. But no, we're, we're not going to be condemned when we stand before. Why? Because you and I have been justified in Christ. So that when we stand before him, I haven't got to say, uh, Lord, uh, oh, remember when I was like 14 and I stole, you know, this and, oh, and that time that I did this with those people and uh, I'm not going to have to do that. If I were, you know, if, if we even got to that point, the Lord, he'd just stop me right there and he would say, listen, you ain't got to justify yourself. 
You ain't got to justify that. You don't have to justify those actions because you've been made righteous. That doesn't even exist. Aren't you glad for that? That you and I are not going to have to do that. So this is what I want us to do. I want us to listen to this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this, for it's a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. You and I aren't going to be able to say, well, I'm righteous because I do this, or I'm righteous because I do that. But there are people that live that way. There were Pharisees in the scripture that used to do that. But there are people today in churches that they're like, there's there's a sense of righteousness and entitlement. Shay and I used to go to church uh, where there was a very wealthy person that went to that church. And um, unfortunately, they they... They gave to us personally and all the ministry team. They supplemented our salary. And I had that gentleman come to me one day, and he was a personal friend of mine too. And he came to me and he said, well, you know, um, I give a lot of money to this church. And I even give to you and the staff personally so that it benefits, you know, your salary. And I want to do that. And I love to, to do that. And I would think that because of my generosity and all the money that I give to the church, that I would at least be able to get this one little thing that he wanted done that was like a pet project, which had nothing to do with me as a staff person. He should have taken that up with the pastor. But that's how people are. Y'all won't come to me. But you'll go to Larry and Murtis and George and Steve. You know what I'm saying? And he came to me because he knew that I would shift it on up the line. And I did. I went and told the pastor and I said, oh, and by the way, I don't want that man's money. Just Shay and I will make it somehow. But I don't want that. Why? Because we can't boast in our giving. We can't boast in our serving. We can't boast in our righteousness. The scripture says our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags in the sight of God. It means nothing to him. And so I want you to look at this. Let's go ahead and look at Galatians chapter 2. And in Galatians chapter 2, Paul, as he's talking, he's basically laying out how he's been away for a while, but now he's going to Jerusalem to meet with the leaders of the church because Paul has been out doing his thing and he's really not had a whole lot of uh, time with the leaders of the church. So he wanted to make sure we're on the same page as far as teaching goes. And so um, verse one of chapter two, then 14 years later, so he's been out on the road a while. I went back to Jerusalem again, and this time with Barnabas and Titus. So he's taken two of his buddies along with him. By the way, Titus is a, is a, is a Gentile. He's, he didn't grow up Greek, uh, uh, Jewish. He grew up Greek. They got all kind of gods. The Jews only have one God, but these guys, they got gods all over the place. Um, and so uh, 14 years ago, I later went back to Jerusalem. This time with Barnabas and Titus, he came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. 
While I was there, I met privately with those who, considered, who were considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message that I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. And they supported me and, done, and did not even demand that my companion Titus, the Greek, be circumcised even though he was a Gentile. Even that question only came up because the so-called believers there, the false ones really, who were secretly brought in, they sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ. They wanted to enslave us and force us not to follow their Jewish regulations, but we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We refused. We wouldn't give in for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their reputation as leaders, they, that made no difference to me. God has no favorites. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility, just as he had given Peter the responsibility, uh, to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter as an apostle to the Jews also worked through me as an apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me. And they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I've always been eager to do. So summary, he goes to Jerusalem. Hey, this is what I'm preaching. I'm out here on the road preaching in all these uh, uh, Gentile churches, all these Greek churches, all these with many multiple gods. Y'all got a problem with that? We don't see a problem with it. You're preaching a sound doctrine. Does this guy, you know, these boys over here are saying he's still got to get circumcised. Does he need, there's no need for that. We don't practice those customs anymore. Y'all are good. Only thing I'm asking you to do is, hey, still keep giving money to help the poor, because the scripture says that's true religion, a compassionate heart to widows and, and uh, orphans. And so everything's good, man. We're, we're on the road to success, but I want y'all to listen. This is the portion of scripture that I like to call the showdown at Shoney's. Anybody remember Shoney's restaurant? This is the portion of scripture that I like to call the showdown at Shoney's. All right, here we go. But when Peter came to Antioch, which was a place where Paul had planted a church, I had, the I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish, oh, this is important. As a result of Peter's actions, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas, my close companion, was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of everybody, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile. In other words, what he's saying is, 
since you, you're a Jew, but like you're not living like that under that old law anymore. You're living free now. We're free from that. Like the, like the Greeks, like the Gentiles. He said, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish customs? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. We know that a person is made right. In other words, we know a person is justified. Justified, made right with God. We know a person is made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For listen to this, no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we've abandoned the law. Would that mean that Christ led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I'm a sinner if I rebuild an old system of law that I already torn down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements, in other words, so that I might live for Christ. My old self has been crucified. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there would be no need for Christ to die. All right, real quick. What he's doing is... Peter, the head, he's one of the main leaders of the church. Even he had succumbed to this false teaching. Remember, Peter had a history of denying Christ. You remember that? Well, here he is. He's still struggling with it some, what, 17 years later. He's still struggling with this thing of, uh, of standing up to people and standing up for truth. And when these Judaizers, when these false teachers came in and they started saying like, well, are y'all teaching these boys to be circumcised? Are y'all still observing the festivals and all these kind of things? Paul, Peter begins to kind of fall back, backslide, if you will. And so all of a sudden, he's sitting at a table at Shoney's with the Greeks. And he's having fellowship with them at 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 the place of fellowship. Let's just say at Shoney's, okay? Yeah, exactly, big boy. And so he's, he's right there with them. But all of a sudden, the fake teachers come in, and he's like, uh, well, boys, it's been good. You know, I'm going to have to excuse myself. And he goes over here and, and sits down with the Jews, the Judaizers. And Paul walks in, he's seeing all of this play out. And he's like, hmm, I'm fixing to have to have a word with him. And he goes over there, and now I used to read this, and I'm like, what? oh my gosh like that is not very loving and he goes over and I'm like now shouldn't he have put pull Paul aside because the scripture says if a brother offends you or yada 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 you know you're supposed to meet with him in privately listen to me and listen to me well Peter was not just anybody the scripture says brothers and sisters let us not all profess to stand on this platform 
It says it a little different than that. It says, let us not all profess to be teachers because more is required of a leader in the church. And so I believe it's 1 Timothy 5.20. I believe that's where it is, where Paul tells Timothy, hey, Timothy, if a, an elder, if a leader in the church sins openly, then they must be corrected openly. And so I realized, oh, that's why Paul did it. All this time, man, I've been thinking like, dude, use some tact, you know, like some decorum. Like, don't embarrass the guy. But what happened is he was an elder of the church. He had sinned openly and he needed to be corrected openly because this wasn't just a little thing. It was literally changing the doctrine of salvation. And brothers and sisters, if we ever mess with the doctrine of salvation, we are on shaky ground. And so he goes over and he corrects him openly. And he says, Peter, you know that what you are doing is not right. As a matter of fact, God himself showed you in a vision that it was okay to partake of of things that as Jews, we used to not be able to do. Y'all remember that, some of you in scripture. And so he brought down uh, in the vision and he said, I'm giving you freedom over all of those customs and you don't have to observe those anymore. All right. So the showdown at Shoney's, man, I'm telling you, I have learned a hard lesson from not doing that. When I've had an elder or elders in the church, when I say elder, you know, that's just a broad term a lot of times for uh, mature leaders in the church. And there have been times where I've wanted to handle things in a certain way. And, you know, I thought I was doing the right thing and I did not handle it the right way. And I learned some very painful mistakes, uh, uh, lessons from my mistakes. And so I've told people in the future, if we have someone in leadership that fails, we are going to just tell the, like from right here in as loving a way as possible, we're just going to share what happened. We didn't try to cover anything up, but we were trying to be delicate. And, we're, and, and, and finally, I did stand right here and share. But I've learned some valuable lessons. I never had to face that before, but I had learned some valuable lessons. There's a church uh, that is very dear to me and, uh, recently, uh, their pastor had some issues, and instead of handling it publicly and the pastor standing and taking responsibility, it was all handled in this way where, um, you know, it left people wondering, well, what happened? And I'm telling you what, if you don't just, that's why Paul and the scripture lays it out just share what happened, just present it publicly, because when you do, and you leave nothing, uh, you know, to, to uh, uh, assumption. And, you know, people start making up their own minds about what happened. Amen? And so he's very clear on this. And he's trying to clear this up. All right? So let me go on and share this with you. All right? So justification, we already know that it's Jesus and nothing. That's what makes me right before God. And so in Genesis, let me get to this real quick. In Genesis, we have the story of two trees. All right? So then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, 
in the east. And he placed where he placed the man that he had made. And the Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground. Trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life. All right. So this is going to represent our tree of life. And he placed the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, again, poor teaching as I grew up. Um, I thought that the tree of knowledge of good and evil, I thought that was a bad tree. It was just poor teaching or at least the way I understood it. But it, it, it got a bad rap. You know, this is a bad tree. Brings death. But listen, it's just a tree of knowledge of good and evil. This, this right here, this tree right here represents the law. This tree right here represents life. It represents grace. And so really what we're looking to do, God set it up. He put these trees in the garden. There was nothing bad about this tree or there's nothing bad about this tree. And here's the reason why, like I've got a little bit of symbolism that I want to explain to you in here. So this tree is black and white. You know why it's black and white? Because the law is just black and white. The, the law is, it, it just is what it is. It has, it has no like motive behind it necessarily. It just states, it's a statement, it's a declaration. Don't kill. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't steal. It's just black and white. And here's the thing about the law. The law, the scripture said to Adam, that God said to Adam and Eve, you can eat from any trees in the garden. You can eat from any trees. They could eat from this tree, but they can't eat from this tree. Like you don't need to eat from this tree. You got everything you need. You got everything you need. But isn't it funny that we always want more? Isn't it funny that we can't trust God? God, God said he'll heal you. Oh, but we got to go over here and find, you know, uh, we got to dig deeper. And we listen, the law is just the law. And this is the thing that you and I need to understand about the law. The law is diagnostic. Think of it as like an MRI machine. You go in and you got something wrong in your body. They put you in that machine and that it's going, you know, it's going to do all that thing. And it's going to tell you what's wrong. Is that machine bad? No. Is that machine good? Maybe, you know. No, the machine is just a machine and the machine has a job to do. And it's going to tell you what's wrong with you. But here's the thing. The machine can only tell you what the problem is. The machine can't fix you. If it reveals that someone's got cancer, it can't fix the cancer. It can just tell you it's there. What can fix the cancer? The tree of life. Grace, the blessing of the Lord. This, this is what can fix that. And so what happens is you and I, we've got to learn how to live a balanced life between these two trees. And Holy Spirit allows me to live a perfectly balanced life between the law and grace. 
Because what will happen is if you're not perfectly balanced, and the only way you can be perfectly balanced is through the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you into all truth. What will happen is you'll get over here towards the tree of life. And I I want you to look at this real quick. God's, this is a better way maybe to visually illustrate it. So Holy Spirit is what keeps me balanced between these two, okay? But what happens is when I begin to quench the spirit in my life and I'm a rule person, sorry, over here, and I'm a rule person, what happens is I become legalistic. Are you following me? I quench Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will be telling you to give them grace. And you're, you're saying, I, I'm tired of these folks. I ain't giving them any more grace. Lord, just come kill them. Do away with them. You know, some of the prophets were like, God, just, can you just kill them? I don't even feel like going down there again. What will happen is this will get you into legalism. And I'm telling you what, if you're a rules person, and you quench the Holy Spirit when he's speaking to you, what'll happen to you is you'll get all uh, caught up in your rules and you'll get all caught up in you. Uh, they hadn't done this or they didn't turn their report in time and I'm sick and tired of this and I'm sick and tired of that and I'm sick and tired of, you know, and you're just caught up in your rules and what happens, I'm telling you, I've never met a legalist ever, met a legalist that was happy. You ever met religious folks? They're just some of the meanest, crotchetiest, old mean folks. Ain't none of them happy. But they're watchmen on the wall. God called me to keep this church straight, bless God. You know, sit your crotchety tail down and get the Holy Ghost, you know. But what will happen on this other side if you quench the Holy Spirit and it's you're all about grace. Man, I can do this and I can do that and I can do this and I can do that. This is lawlessness. Paul, he tells us in another book, he says, look, it's permissible for me to do some things, but some things I don't need to do. Why? Because I got young Christians looking at me and I just need to be careful because, you know, is there anything wrong with? Not really, but they're not strong in their faith. They're not strong in their faith. And I'll give you a personal example. One time I was talking to a young guy. He was just coming to the faith and, you know, he is kind of raw. And I just thought, I'll just, you know, he's raw, I'm raw. We're going to be raw together, man. I'm going to connect with him. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I'm just going to connect with him. I'm going to talk like he talks. And I did that. And the next day he came to me and he said, you know, pastor, something really bothered me about our conversation the other day. He said, you said this. And he's like, I, it really bothered me that you said that. And I'm like, I was just trying to be cool and (laughs) jive with you, man. Well, I shouldn't have done that. I (laughs) should That wasn't Holy Spirit telling me to do that. That was my stupidity telling me to do that. And what I did is I messed my witness up with that guy. I mean, we repaired it, but he was like, I didn't think preachers, I didn't think preachers talk like that. And I mean, it wasn't even that bad or I wouldn't have said it, but it was bad enough to him. And so there are some things that it's like, you know, we need to listen to Holy Spirit on. So, Being balanced is what it's all about. Romans uh, 6 says this, 15 and 16. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, 
Does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. It leads to righteousness. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come, or at least one of you. Guys, living balanced, living a balanced life, like the law, the law is good. The law is good. But if this is all that we place our hope in, it's gonna lead to death because you cannot keep the law perfectly. You can't. You may not ever sleep with a woman, but the scripture says Jesus told us, if you even think something impure about a woman, you might as well have already done it. Like it, you can't keep this. You cannot keep this. That's why Jesus came to fulfill it once and for all. But over here, if you are just the, the person that's like, yeah, man, God, he, he, he did away with the law. And there are truly people that are like, Jesus did away with the law. No, he did not do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law and he whittled it down into two, which he further, you know, y'all in, what do they call that? Reduction in math. I'm not a mathematician, but you know, you reduce it. He reduced 10 to two and then he reduced two to one. And he said, really all of them are gonna be summed up in this. Love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor as yourself. All right, reduced them to two. And then he said, well, let me just make it a little more simpler. Just love your neighbor. Because if you love your neighbor, you're loving God. Because he said, when you do it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. And so he just reduced everything down. And this is what it all boils down to. But this over here, if this is the only thing you're gonna focus on and you're gonna uh, ignore the law, this over here, this is going to lead you to a place of addiction. This is going to lead you to a place of excess. Listen, I was reading recently of a major church leader in the world. This is from another country. You probably read it too, where he stepped down from his ministry. Shocking. Like guys, there are too many world Christian leaders stepping down from ministry. What is going on? Like it's an assault of the enemy is what's going on. It's, it, it truly is a, uh, a laxing, a, a relaxing and a lax approach to righteousness and holiness. And as I'm reading this, um, this article, they had a quote in here from the pastor who's a world leader and what they were talking about they were talking about an incident in their church that happened and how they handled it and how the man who uh, was guilty of this and they went through all the proceedings and found him guilty and yada 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 and this was the pastor's words in a documented recorded statement and he said, what happened was this staff person got drunker than they should have, which led to 
the improper. And I'm reading that and I'm like, drunker than they should have. Well, where, where, where on the spectrum of drunkness is too drunk to be drunk? Because the scripture says, do not be drunk, period. Don't, don't get drunk. Why? Because you lose self-control. Why? Because self-control is one of the fruit of the, it is part of the fruit of the spirit, which helps me stay in alignment. And when you get drunk, you make dumb decisions that literally change that, mind, that, that man's life forever and that young lady's life forever to the point where he's incarcerated. And then on top of that, by the leadership, because they handled that in a very, you know, let's just don't even talk about this. Well, guess what? You can't bury sin. You can't because sin breeds sin. And what happened is they buried that, but guess what? It popped up in another staff person. And before you know it, you got too many that you can't cover up anymore. So what happens is we are people that we have to live a life balanced between the law and we have to live a life balanced between the grace of God. And you can get over here in loosey-goosey grace land if you want to and think that, well, God's going to forgive me or, well, I can do this and I can do that. And before you know it, you, your, your freedom where you think you're unlocking yourself from the law and religion, before you know it, you are going to have imprisoned yourself in some kind of addiction or slave to some kind of sin. Let me close this up for you. So here's the question. Pastor Rife, how can I live a godly life? Because that's really at the end of the day, that's really what we want. How can I live a godly life? In the Garden of Eden, that's actually what Satan attacked with Eve. He said, no, that's not true. What God said to you is not true. He knows that when you eat from this tree, which you're not supposed to, when you eat from that tree, you will become like God. And that's what godliness is. Us acting like God. Us being holy as he is holy. And so how do I live holy, Pastor Rife? How do I live godly? And this is the answer that you must crucify your flesh daily. Every day you get up, your flesh is gonna wanna do things. Your flesh is gonna wanna smack people. Your flesh is gonna wanna get on Facebook and cuss somebody out or tell them, you know, that they voted for the wrong candidate or that you got this latest thing about vaccine that you want to, mm-mm. As a matter of fact, when I was reading this uh, scripture and I'm like, you know, right now vaccination's a big thing in, in, in the world and the enemy has just used that to divide us and you know what? I've literally heard people say, well, if you, if you love your neighbor, you'll get vaccinated. You know, that's, that, you know what? That's the law. Maybe, maybe, maybe so, maybe not. I don't, you know, I know plenty of people that could get vaccinated and they're mean as the Dickens, you know? You could, you could literally take this portion of scripture and you could say that the Judaizers could be saying, well, you know, 
you know, we're supposed to love our neighbor and, and in order to love our neighbor, we have to be vaccinated, circumcised, vaccinated. You see what I'm saying? And it's like, no, no, no. Like we don't go around imposing things on people. Listen, you get vaccinated if you want to get vaccinated. If you don't want to be vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. That's those things. There's so many things like that in, ch in the church world that we've got to not impose things that are our beliefs and preferences on somebody else. You let them work that out between them and God. And let's focus on loving people and operating out of the tree of life but we have to crucify ourselves daily. So how do we do this? And this is how. Make a list of things that affect your balance. Make a list of things that affect your balance. There are things in your world that'll get you out of balance real fast. A friend of mine was actually on Facebook yesterday and he said, hey guys, I'm just letting everybody know that I will no longer be on Facebook anymore. I'm just deleting my account because it gets, he didn't say this, but why? It gets him out of balance. And, I, and I've seen that in his life. I've seen that in his post and I'm like, oh, Jesus, that's terrible. Like, don't, don't, you're just too, it's too much. It's too much. Thank God that Holy Spirit spoke to him and it got him unbalanced. If there's some TV shows that get you out of balance, if you're prone to pornography, there's certain shows you don't need to watch. None of us should probably watch them, but the point being, there's certain places maybe you shouldn't go. There's certain things that you shouldn't do. Like, what are things that get you out of balance? And then take one step, one step towards eliminating that in your life if you want to live a balanced life. Listen, some of us in this room, we have not experienced the level of freedom that we want to, to experience. There, listen, as your pastor, there are things in my life, I haven't experienced the level of freedom that I want to experience in, in uh, certain areas of my life. I want to experience it. When I preach this stuff, I'm not just preaching it at you. I'm, I'm preaching it to us, us. And so let's do this. Let's be doers of the word. And this will be the last thing and we'll pray. Coming up at the end of this month, there is a uh, group called Truly Free. And it focuses on people who you've struggled with things for decades or years, maybe they're generational. Hear, hear me, hear me, hear me. If you want to be free, the way to freedom is to do something about it. Get free with me. Get free with me. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for your special touch in this house today, God. I thank you for the freedom in this room. I thank you, Lord, for the revelation in this room today. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that there are people here. And I know it. I feel it in my spirit. There are people here that you made your mind up today. Like you are going to pursue freedom like you've never pursued in your life up until this point. Good for you. Praise God for that. And so, Holy Spirit, may we be free and let your Holy Spirit balance us between the law 
which shows us areas of our life that are not right and balance us between grace. Your grace that says, my grace is sufficient for you. I'll make up the difference. Let us live balanced in those worlds, Lord. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we receive it into our heart in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.